Jesus came and dwelt among us, that he lived in a particular way, he had particular types of postures among us, and then he actually uh, extended his ministry to us in really beautiful ways. And uh, we're talking about what that looks like. And last week we paused and said, New Community has lived for quite a, quite a season uh, with believing and viewing the equality of both male and female to use their gifts within the church and to express that in beautiful ways. Uh, ways that actually make the kingdom fuller and make the church stronger. Uh, and this morning we're continuing to talk about that, but tying that into the ways in which Jesus spoke to, related to people, and inspired women uh, to be not just disciples, but ultimately leaders within the church. And uh, so this morning, I have the privilege of introducing two uh, of my friends who are going to share, Michelle Estelle and Sarah Pell, are going to uh, lead this morning. Let me pray for them as they, uh, as they step up. God, we are excited about what you are teaching us, the ways in which you are asking us as a community to step forward. And uh, I just pray uh, a special hand of blessing upon both Michelle and Sarah. May you guide their words, uh, give them uh, excitement about what they shared earlier this morning. May they continue to declare that same truth to us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. be here with you and um, sharing what the Lord has been speaking to us about uh, life together. And uh, in particular, I want to recap a little bit about what Russ has taught uh, several years ago and again, we're sort of recycling and realizing that actually we're living into this in so many ways that we'll be speaking of. Uh, So speaking of in particular is this notion of um, all of us being lifted up to live into our full gifting in the church. And uh, how many of you were here for the Elephant Series in 2012? A couple of you. Great. Wonderful. Um, You should check out the podcast. October 2012 uh, is a two-part series in particular on the role of women in the church. I think he does a fantastic job. And a couple of the scriptures I just wanted to uh, remind us about that are the context or the backdrop for what we're going to be sharing today. First of all, Genesis 1 um, really clearly states that we, as men and women, are uh, image bearers. That we are gifted primarily because of our DNA that is given to us by being created by the God of the universe. That's pretty hearty backdrop to our person, I must say. So, um, and there is no distinction uh, made in that. Uh, you know, there's one or the other, but actually in male, male and female, he created them, which is those who are to go forth and bear his image. Uh, secondly, um, is Galatians 3 is another um, kind of primary cornerstone uh, scripture um, put out by Paul that says that there, um, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for it is Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ and put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither a male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So, again, asserting the fact that not only DNA-wise, but also because of our covering and united um, yoking, if you will, as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, that that sets the stage for us to then know that our identity is uh, united, one, equal, and um, solid. 
So uh, we want to continue to live into how, what that means for our personal self-understanding as well as our corporate life. You might be asking, so if, if it's all set up so cleanly, you know, that we're all kind of copacetic about the equality thing, then why are we having this discussion? Why do we even have to talk about this? Why are we having this problem of inequality in any sphere in our world if um, the God of the universe sort of set it up so that we would just kind of link arms and partner and know that we are made in his image and know that we are all equal in Christ. Well, there's a small little thing that happened that is told about in Genesis 3. Anybody know what that is? The fall, okay? So that is just simply put, sin enters into the scene. Ta-da! To wreck everything, okay? So once the curses that entered in, and there's a whole listing of curses that we get to then live into and work our way through with God's help to redeem us from, one of which is a power struggle. And the power struggle that ensued between man, men and women was actually told about in that early passage about our relationship status and that is that we will struggle we will struggle to fight to be top dog and that that is like an aspect of sin that has crept in um, that seems to be what we're speaking to and kind of fighting against at this point so realize that that power struggle that a over b b over a any of those things um, that aren't just mutual even equal perceptions of person of whatever sort um, is not kingdom living. We want to assert that as we read scripture, um, equality and linking arms and supportiveness and feeling that we are all uh, called, not just allowed, but actually called into our work as um, image bearers through our gifting. Um, Sarah is going to help us out with um, um, unpacking that some more. And I just want to say that, you know, our purpose now is to kind of shift from some of those um, backdrop theological tenets to more what does Jesus say about our position as males and females? And that also how can we then live into that personally as well as corporately as a community here? so that we can know that we are following his word to the letter, which is to just really live into our full gifting. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this gathering. Thank you for uh, the fact that we are here to experience your spirit at work. We ask that our hearts would be soft, that you would be whispering to us in ways that are unique to our own gifting. Awaken us to who you have created us to be so that we might be um, encouraged and called into a courageous expression of ourselves. Amen. All right. Hi, I'm Sarah, um, and I'm going to talk to us a, a little bit about um, uh, how I think Jesus has um, set this up for us. Um, when I read the Gospels um, throughout my whole life, I think that um, there's this thread that's being weaved within the Gospels. Um, sometimes it's a whisper, sometimes it's a yell um, that says that the way we understood the kingdom 
maybe isn't quite what the kingdom is. Um, you know, we thought it was like this, but it's actually like this. So you have the story of the children where um, Jesus brings the children to him to pray for him. And the disciples rebuke him and say, no, 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 send the children away. And Jesus turns to them and says, no, the, the, to the children is the kingdom of God. You know, they thought it was like this, but it's really like this. Um, then there's the story of the woman caught in adultery. Um, the teachers of the law all come around and say, this is what she's done. Obviously, this means that we're going to stone her. And Jesus flips it upside down and says, wait, you who have no sin, you throw the first stone. And no one throws a stone. And they walk away thinking, hmm, maybe what I thought was right about the kingdom actually isn't quite on point to what I understood. You have the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus flips things upside down and says, um, heaven belongs to the poor in spirit. The meek will inherit the kingdom of, our, of God. The power that we thought that we had in certain things isn't really powerful. It's actually the opposite. The weak are the powerful. Um, and finally, another example um, is the teacher that comes and asks Jesus to try to trap him. Well, how many times do I forgive my neighbor? There's got to be a limit to this forgiveness, to this grace thing. And Jesus' response is seven times seven. You, you don't get to stop. You always forgive. You forgive over and over and over again. Wait, so the, you know, the boundaries that I put on my understanding of the kingdom actually aren't right, so I have to expand those boundaries? What is what I thought was isn't quite what I thought what, what it actually is. So story after story, parable after parable, I could go on and on with all the different stories in the Bible that speak to this, where this is being weaved within these radical ideas where Jesus comes and he flips things upside down and he takes what we thought and then he says, what about this? Let's, let's look at this in a different way. Um, you would think that we had, would have figured this out, you know, that we would be turning the other cheek every time someone did something to us, that we would forgive seven times seven naturally. And it's the way that Jesus is telling us we should just live our life like this, that these radical ideas that are contrary to our culture would just be second nature to us. We grew up learning these things. But I would say for myself, at least, that missing the point when it comes to reading scripture happens to me all the time. I take all the things that I think, the things that I've learned, my independence, my selfishness, all of these things, and I read it into what I'm reading in scripture. I have all these preconceived notions and the things I was raised to believe. And then as I examine some of my understanding, understandings of Jesus and his messages, um, that it's possible I missed something along the way. And so I come to the story of Mary and Martha, a story about discipleship, a story about bravery, another story where Jesus says, it's not really like about this, it's really about this. But to really understand the story of Mary and Martha, I think we have to actually back up a little bit. So when the Bible was written, it wasn't written with verses, and it wasn't written with breaks. So as you read the narrative as a whole, you would be reading one story and then moving on to the next story in the story. So if we back up a little bit and we look at what the story was before the story of Mary and Martha, it's the story of the Good Samaritan. So Jesus is setting up this story. Most of us have heard the story of the Good Samaritan. You have a man who has been beaten and left on the side of the road. And so then Jesus introduces these characters. Well, first of all, the story is told because a, um, a religious leader is asking, what does it mean to inherit eternal life? And Jesus throws the question back at him. Well, what does the law say? What do you know about the kingdom? What's your answer? Well, it's to um, love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, yeah, you got it. You get it. You know what the kingdom's like, right? And then he says, well, who's my neighbor? 
maybe he doesn't really get what the kingdom's like. So then Jesus goes on to explain through this parable, there's, you know, a man that has been beaten on the side of the road, and the two religious, religious leaders that walk by that we would expect to understand what the kingdom is like just pass this man by and leave him there for various reasons that they think are justified. And then Jesus introduces the Samaritan, someone in the story that isn't expected to be a hero, is expected to be the person who would not understand the kingdom. And the good Samaritan ends up being the one that gets it. Um, and at the end of the story, the good Samaritan helps, is the only one that stops and helps this man that has been beaten on the side of the road. And so then Jesus goes back to the teacher and he says, so who, who, who's your neighbor? And they're, they're forced to say, you know, the good, oh, who was a good neighbor? The good Samaritan. This good Samaritan is actually the one that understood the kingdom. The religious leaders didn't. Once again, this is a story in which what we thought we knew, we don't. Jesus is setting us up to go, oh, maybe there's something more here. So then, this is the posture that we're in when we're reading Mary and Martha. We're just finished the Good Samaritan. We're thinking about, okay, who's my neighbor? Okay, the religious leaders didn't get it. Maybe I don't get it. Maybe there's something more. And then we come to the story of Mary and Martha. And we're going to read that. If you want to open your Bibles to Luke 10, 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named, Mar Mar named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet to listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has actually chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I'll be honest, this story has always really bothered me. It's one of those that I just sort of like skip over, um, because without any historical context, it just lays kind of flat. It seems sort of unfair. You know, Martha's getting everything ready. I get that. When I have people over, I'm busy. I want help. Seems like Mary's sort of like slacking off from her duties and then um, isn't doing what, you know, she's not helping Martha. So then Martha is the, is the villain in this story, right? And that just doesn't seem, it never seems fair to me. So as I was studying this, I think there's actually something else going on that we're missing because we don't have the context of being first century readers. So the first thing that we would notice if we were living in the first century is that Mary is in a place that she shouldn't be in the first place. Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet with the men in a place that she wouldn't be expected to be. And she right puts it like this. It's as if you went to someone's house, you were invited over to their home, and as they were preparing dinner for you, you just pitched a tent in their living room and started sleeping, you know, took a nap. It would be strange, right? If we read that, we'd go, well, what's going on? What's this person thinking? What's being set up here? There's actually more going on to this story than we realize because for Mary to be sitting at, at Jesus' feet doesn't really cause us, a, cause us to pause in our current reading, I mean, in our current culture. Um, so after reading this, um, after looking at the fact that Mary was out of place, we would already start looking, okay, so what's going on? So the next phrase that we would look at that would stand out to us is this phrase, sitting at, at the feet. 
So when it's talked about sitting at Jesus' feet, um, it actually means more than what we think it might. Um, when I think of sitting at, at someone's feet to learn from them, I kind of think of like my kids sitting at the feet of a librarian and you know hearing a story and something like that. Um, but it's actually a lot more powerful than that. So in, in order to figure out what this might mean, we can look for where we might find it in other parts of scripture. Um, this can be found in Acts 22.3. And Paul is making a case for why he is a, essentially a valid disciple of Christ and a leader in the church. I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. So when rabbis taught, Acts 22.3, so when Alex, or when, ra, when rabbis taught their students, they sat in a seat that was actually elevated above the disciples that they were teaching. So they were literally, the disciples were literally sitting at their rabbi's feet. And so that's where this phrase, sitting at the feet, comes from. Um, so the only reason at that time that you would train under a rabbi is if that rabbi had asked you to train with them and that your plan was to follow in their footsteps and then teach others to follow in those same footsteps of the rabbi. So we come back to the story of Mary and Martha, which is written by the same author as Acts, using the same phrasing. So Luke wrote Acts. Um, so Luke says very pointedly of Mary that she's sitting at Jesus' feet. He's using that same phrase, phrase to say that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet to be Jesus' disciple. And a disciple is someone that learns from their rabbi when the intention of living out the teachings and going on to teach others. N.T. Wright says it like this. She is sitting at his feet, referring to Mary, a phrase which doesn't mean what it would mean today. The adoring student gazing up in admiration and love at the wonderful teacher as it is clear from the use of the phrase elsewhere in the New Testament, to sit at the teacher's feet is a way of saying you're, uh, you are, you're being a student, picking up the teacher's wisdom and learning. And in that very practical world, you wouldn't just do this for the sake of informing your own mind and heart, but in order to be a teacher, a rabbi yourself. Whew, so much more powerful. Um, Mary is bravely taking a place she was never expected to be. Um, she's taking on a role of disciple in a culture that would have told her that she wasn't allowed to do that. Um, and I think the most beautiful part of the story of Mary and Martha is that Jesus invited her to be there. Jesus was flying in the face of convention. In that day and age, to invite that would have been flying in the face of convention. He invited Mary to sit at the feet, to learn from him, him being the rabbi, her being the, the learner that would then be able to teach others the ways of the rabbi. I think Jesus is saying once again, what you thought you understood, what you thought your place was, where you thought you needed to stay, come in here. You're welcome here. I'm inviting you. And then comes in Martha. So Martha is annoyed. I was always taught that Martha was just sort of annoyed, right? She's like, come on, Mary. You're leaving me to all the work. Get in here think that, that maybe something more is going on. I think Martha is seeing Mary step into this world that neither of them are welcome in. And she's saying, wait a minute. What are you doing? You're supposed to be helping me. This is where you're supposed to be, is, is back here preparing the meal with me. 
she appeals to Jesus. She knows Jesus. She appeals to him, and she says, Jesus, make Mary get back here with me. Put her in her place. And the beautiful thing is, Mary has stuck her neck out. She is sitting there. She has been invited, and Jesus turns to, Mary, to Martha and says, no, Mary has chosen what is best. He confirms that she has a place there. He, he um, lifts her into that place, and he confirms that she's, cho- that she's chosen the better. I would say I'm no longer annoyed with this story. I am in awe of Mary's bravery. I don't see Mary as this goody-goody that was, you know, sitting at the feet of Christ and uh, Martha being the one that's getting stuff done. But Mary was so brave to be sitting there. And I think that I used to see myself as Martha because, you know, I get stuff done, and it's annoying that other people don't. But instead I see myself as Martha because I know that there are places where my traditions and my upbringing and maybe the limitations or my insecurities are not allowing me to be in the places that God is calling me, that I'm not stepping into all of the places that God is asking me, where he's asking me to sit at his feet so that he can tell me what my giftings are and that I can be called into whatever it is that God has for me. And I am so thankful that Jesus has said this. I'm thankful that our God is a God that says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, There is neither male or female. You are one in Christ. We are all welcome in the kingdom of God. The kingdom is about equality. We have an important role in ushering in this kingdom. Our gender does not determine the types of gifts we can or can't use. Maybe there are things that you see um, that you've been seeing as off limits for your giftings. And Michelle's going to talk a little bit about that. Maybe you um, are already a Mary and you've stepped into some of these roles, and I want to encourage you today that Jesus asked you to be there, and he wants you to stay there, and you're right where you're supposed to be, even though it's hard, and even though those places are difficult. I want to remind us that, um, that we have freedom to use whatever our gifts are, and that our hope is that we all step into the roles that God has for us without any limitations. Michelle's going to expand on that a little bit more. Thank you, Sarah. Just rocking it. That's awesome. Nice to have a familiar passage unpacked in a new way. That's really helpful. So we're going to kind of continue to think about that in terms of if that if we are called into um, you know full expression of our gifting. What what's the problem? Why is it that we are hindered? What are the possible reasons? that we might be become more aware of so as to address them and free ourselves uh, into a full, more full expression of our gifting. Um, I would advocate that one uh, primary problem is that of lack of self-awareness. Um, as a, a therapist, a lot of the thing, a lot of what I spend time helping people achieve is greater self-awareness. And to really try to get to know oneself is the pretty much the first step of healing, the first step of creating a lifestyle that really hangs together and works well. And I would advocate that self-awareness regarding spiritual gifting is the first step of being able to live into that gifting. You really can't do what you're unaware of is reality. So uh, I would say get to know yourself and ask for feedback. 
tell each other what you see in one another and be the body of Christ that really encourages that because I think that is the building block and the beginning point. I'd say difficult circumstances would be another hindrance that seems very common. Uh, we often, you know, we have, you know, life's complicated, right? Life's tough. We have things that are uh, distracting at the very least, painful and traumatic at the most, and somewhere in between is probably where we live most of the time. And so uh, I would encourage you that if you have things that are these distractors, uh, get support. Address those things so that it sort of clears the path and those things don't become center stage to limit you in discerning God's truth and will for you or limit you in a way of sort of leaning into the full expression of your gifting, which actually is predicated on some health. And so I would just encourage you to take take that seriously. If there are things that need to be addressed personally in your life, you know, whatever's going on, by all means, this is what the community is about. This is what life together is about. We're here for each other. And that's part of how we partner so as to free one another up to really shine into the full expression of who we're supposed to be. Okay, so um, consider this, you know, um, if there have been a, uh, circumstances that are, are said to be no's, you can't because you're not the right gender, you're not the right race, you're not the rich enough, you're not educated enough, whatever the no's have been in your life, in my life, let's consider that that might be similar to an arm tied behind the back, okay? So if I have my arm tied behind my back my whole life, I'd probably get pretty good at like, you know, picking up my notes and, oh, dropped one. Oh, oh let's see, I can do that. Okay, one hand, got it, all right? That's not too bad. There might be other things that would be a little more difficult, like, you know, getting the nylons on. That could be a challenge. I don't know. But let's just say for, for you know, that we have been told under no certain, under certain terms that your arm is free. So here we go. Okay, two hands. I'm used to using one. I'm now told I have two. Okay. Any of you people, physical therapy people, whatever, what happens to the arm if it's never used, like, at all? What, what is that called? Atrophy. Thank you. Okay. Atrophy is it. Okay. So the arm is free. It's no longer tied. It's available, but it's weak. Okay. It's really weak. And so part of living into the gifting and getting past the hindrances is realizing that while we are free, we're not really effective unless all parts are like strong. Like, so this arm needs to get as strong as this other arm in order for me to actually do the heavy lifting that is required for me to do all this required for me personally into leaning into my gifting. So I would say that, you know, encouraging one another in terms of opportunities to strengthen and do the rehab, right? Again, PT people, medical people, doing that rehab is like painful, but super important. Like it's the only way to go. It's the only way to get to the strength and health is doing the work, okay? And we need to be committed to doing it and going through the pain of that, as well as committed to supporting each other to know how to do it and to practice, 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 practice. And I would say, you know, for instance, thank you all for giving Sarah and I this opportunity to stand up in front of you. I mean, 
obviously we don't do this all the time at it but you're being very patient thank you appreciate that and your support is tremendous and so you know again if you feel like you want to do something you haven't done before or maybe you're a little timid you're not good at it go for it look I'm up here right it's not that bad and you know I mean you, you got to challenge yourself to consider to kind of do the muscle work that needs to happen to strengthen that that untied arm so okay consider this I have a picture here um, of a mosaic okay so you can kind of generally sort of get the picture uh, anybody know who who that might be Jesus good churchy answer yay it's either God or Jesus okay so um, yes yeah, so so you can see that some of the tiles are kind of white and some of the tiles are kind of gray all right so this is a little so consider yourself a tile okay this is your personhood we are down reducing we are doing the big reduction right now okay so each tile there has its little color that it's supposed to be in order to really make the picture full now having said that with them kind of blotted out either white or gray or whatever we still kind of make it out I mean very good you knew that was Jesus however I would say that if we're thinking of ourselves as um, kingdom living into the kingdom and or being um, recognized as church at work that if we're kind of like that people kind of see it like yeah you're pretty nice people and you kind of do some good stuff but maybe it could be enhanced if every single tile was actually full-on the color they're made to be right and they just knew what that was and they shine out pink or shine out yellow you know whatever so um, I so I'm here to say that for sure I know this hundred percent because the scripture tells us we're all gifted there's not one of us that is not so just know that you've been told today by me because it's in scripture that you are a gifted person now you may not know exactly what that is okay so the white tiles would sort of represent people who don't recognize that they are gifted and therefore aren't really trying to use them because they don't think that they have them okay and the gray would represent people who kind of know they're gifted but aren't doing the rehab to get strong and actually grow into that gifting even more so in both instances we're not filling out the full picture got it okay so I'm gonna have one uh, slide that is first Corinthians 12 and this is basically saying that there's gifts given to everyone this is the scripture that is just one of many that supports the idea that we're all given different gifts that no there's no distinction of the guys get these gifts and the girls get these other ones it's not set up like that it's just every person in their fullness and in Christ is given for sure gifts and there's a name for them there is a name for the one that you have you just need to figure out what it is okay and that's where we come together to help each other okay so now we're gonna go on to the full picture and let's look at how great this looks Ta-da! okay you can really see Jesus now right Isn't that beautiful so you can notice also notice that if you look at this picture there's pretty much I can't really see any of the tiles that look exactly like the other one right thank you yeah I know right he's my yes man I like this guy um, so each tile has its own unique placement its own unique shape and its own unique color 
but it's next to another shape or color or size that helps it have its proper place. So we kind of know that they're working together in a unified manner, but yet uniquely so. Kind of interesting, huh? Okay, so here, here's another encouragement to you. I want to say to you that I want to encourage you to have courage and use the gift. Now, let's consider this. In, in Scripture, we also have some, you know, lots of examples. or They're not talked about quite as much as maybe some of the guys, but we have the example of Phoebe, who was in Romans 16. Um, she was told to be a deacon. And she was like the only deaconess, I think, that they is lifted up in Scripture. But she was very important, and she uh, was a supporter of Paul and many others, a benefactor, which probably refers financially as well as in other ways. She was, like, powerful. And um, she actually took Paul's letter to the congregation in Rome. That was her job. I'd say that's pretty, lots of responsibility. Very good. Deborah is a judge in Judges 4, she's talked about. And so she also had a very, uh, she was a judge in Israel. She was a prophetess. And because of her leadership and because of her prophecy, Israel came into a period of peace for 40 years because of her. Because of her living, her willingness to live into her gifting in that time period at that moment. Um, another example that I think is very poignant is uh, Catherine Booth. So that's William Booth's wife, founder of Salvation Army. And we're talking like uh, mid-1800s, so a while ago. And um, because of her husband's encouragement, so yay for William, he encouraged her to like partner with him to preach, to evangelize, and to write about the uh, legitimacy of women in the pulpit. And she did all of those things. And so because of that encouragement, she ended up being this beautiful example of a, you know, a very talented um, speaker. In fact, it's not, uh, some of the accounts say that she was even more talented than William. And he, you know, he was okay with that. And he just sort of like said, that's, that's my gal. She's, awesome, you know, so listen to her. And so that was, you know, that's kind of like a more contemporary version of, you know, Phoebe um, or Deborah that is right there to say, what would the world have been like if we, if we didn't experience these women's gifts? I mean, there was like amazing. And all of us, men and women, are just like that, like in our own little way. We don't have to be like super dramatic like this, but it is drama to God if you just do whatever you're meant to do. That's like he's going, woohoo, you're a rock star in my book, right? Just doing whatever that is. So that, you know, that's the challenge. So celebrating one another and encouraging each other is one of the things that makes that happen. I'm going to do a my my husband, John, John Stell. Um, this happened to me, actually, this whole thing that happened to Catherine. And that is that I was one of those typical Whitworth students that changed my major every year, basically. So I kind of, you know, one freshman year I'm like you know a music major and then I'm a you know education major and philosophy major I'm like all these things and I'm like oh that's not really working for me but so income enters John Estelle into the scene he was one of these freshmen who said I'm gonna be a psychologist when I grow up and he knew it he was just like steady as she goes and we got to know each other and he was so beautiful and saying you know what 
I think you can get a PhD. You should do this too. I'm like, okay, my head like flies off my neck. I couldn't even believe it. I'd never heard of, I, I just never considered that for myself, like at all. So the fact that he saw something in me has led me to my life's work, which my, my mission is my practice. That's what I do. And that's what I feel I'm called to do. And I've been equipped to do it. But it's because of him, actually. If I'm going to point to a person, it, that's it. He's it. So words of affirmation and naming things you see in people is very powerful. Do not underestimate the power of your word to your brothers and sisters to help them reach their highest potential in Christ and their reach into their spiritual gifting. Um, one way that we can do that that's even in a more general way is to be mindful of how we're speaking to our our daughters and our children are especially the as we form our little psyches and our little spiritualness all the way up be sure you're speaking language that talks about character when you're seeing a little girl talk about her character talk about her courage talk about her strength not just about outside things or things that are maybe more stereotypically female because that could be that could be a limiter for her if that's what she if she gets the idea that that's what she's supposed to be is so what somebody else says she must be that's not necessarily in line with what god may call her to so be sure that you are cautious as you speak to one another that you don't put inadvertently for sure not not intentionally but might be limiting people by talking about maybe smaller superficial things versus character bigger things so that's another encouragement to you um, in terms of I'm going to shift now to um, a short discussion about how we're living into that in new community I was kind of talking about like living into it personally we're talking about our lovely community here we've been living into this value of equality for many many years and um, currently um, I want to just assert that at all levels of leadership in this institution, this body, um, there is equal voicing of male and female input into the shaping and the direction of what calling what God is calling us to be. I, I'm on the elder board, and um, I'm thrilled and grateful. Part of that experience and part of that discernment process for where God is leading. So, uh, and then we have you know the staff. We have some just incredible incredibly gifted um, women who are you know just living out life with integrity and so that is valued and celebrated here in this place so the arms are untied women so know that and if you need to rehab that arm no problem but you have full support from all of us to live fully into your gifting and we want to invite Sarah back to um, talk about a couple other ways that new community is living into that. All right. Um, so one of the other ways that new community tries to live into this idea of equality is by hearing from both male and female voices from the front. Um, I would say if we really believe this, then we need to be modeling it. And this is my challenge to us as women, is that um, we need to step into some of these roles. Um, if you today feel like God is calling you to do something um, that might bring you up front, listen to that. 
Um, if you're not sure, ask other people. Um, I think one of the best things that we have in our body is to be talking to other people and asking them what they might see in us. Maybe we don't know. Maybe we can't see it for ourselves. Um, maybe, as Michelle said, we've had our arm tied behind our back in certain ways, and, and we need to be doing some rehab. Maybe getting up in front is super scary and not even something that's on your radar. Um, ask your small group leaders if you can um, lead small group one, one small group. I guarantee they will say yes. They will be excited to let someone else lead small group for one of the small groups. Um, that's a really good uh, way to kind of step forward. Uh, serving communion, um, saying a prayer, uh, reading a verse, um, just ways for us to practice what it means to um, be a more balanced community that is seeing and modeling for our children and for ourselves what it looks like to have both male and female voices and faces up front. Um, and to fill in some of these gaps that, um, that I think that we've had based on, you know, life and past. And, um, and then um, to the men, are there ways that you've traditionally not really thought about serving in the church, like maybe with the babies and with the toddlers, that maybe God's pulling on your heart to do some of those things and that um, our world has traditionally sort of seen those as not things that are necessarily masculine? Like, step into those things. Um, we want our kids to see that balance back in new community. Um, and that actually leads me to our last point, or yeah, our last point about um, how new community is um, leaning into these things is that um, the people back in the kids' community are intentionally teaching our children about both men and women of faith so that they are getting these role models um, back there in their teaching. Um, that, the, that our sons and daughters will be raised up believing that the gifts that they have been given um, whatever those are, can be used to further God's kingdom and that they would live into those in their full capacity. Um, so to close, our hope at New Community is that we raise up hundreds of Marys, uh, people that are willing to step out of maybe where traditionally we are thought and step into areas that might be uncomfortable, but that God's calling us into, um, that we would sit at the feet of our Lord and ask him what our giftings are, what our calling is, and then that we would be willing to go after it. Um, that the mosaic, that, um, that our beautiful mosaic at New Community would be vibrant, and that those tiles, whether it's a red or an orange or a yellow, that you would be that tile that God's called you to in its full glory, and that our mosaic would look like that second example, and it would be bright, and it would reflect the kingdom of God in all of the ways that God wants us to. Um, I'm going to pray for us. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity for Michelle and I um, to speak what you've been putting on our hearts, that, um, that the message of equality and the message that you are inviting us to sit at your feet is so powerful, that we would all learn a little bit from Mary today, that we would walk away um, with the knowledge that you have invited us, that you are calling us, that we indeed all have beautiful giftings. Um, Lord, I pray that we would be compelled to ask each other what our giftings might be, um, that as we see giftings in others, that we'd be willing to speak those out, that we might draw some people out in areas that they have um, feel uncomfortable with, that we would be encouraging in the ways that you would have us encourage. 
that we would really listen to you in the ways that you would have us go forward as a community and that we would reflect this mosaic to the world to say, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's not like this. It's actually like this. And in Jesus' name, amen.